Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about how the Thunder are prepping for the regular season, some training camp updates of sorts, and then I'm also going to be talking about if the Thunder should make a play for John Wall in a trade. And also, there's going to be a message from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you guys do not want to miss out on that. But starting things off, the Thunder, they are ramping up for regular season play. And last season, we know how it went. You know, every single franchise, first it was sort of in bunches, then it was more one by one, but fans were allowed to re-enter the arena. We saw the scene in the NBA Finals. Milwaukee, you guys remember when they had like Maria Taylor, I think Woj was out there as well on a balcony. The streets were flooded with fans trying to watch the games and there were some packed stadiums to end things out. And they did have capacities, like not max capacities in arenas, um, but fans were allowed to be in attendance. And That happened for 29 out of the 30 franchises, and the one outlier just so happened to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. Absolutely no fans could come in there. The last time we saw fans, Rudy Gobert had that little deal. You know, there was a whole documentary made by some of the guys uh, with the Thunder. It's great. I think it's called Stop the Game, but we had that scene That's when the season kind of had to go on that hiatus, came back, of course, but it was in Orlando and there were no fans there. So it's been over a year since fans have been able to see the Thunder in person, but the streak has finally ended. The Thunder made it clear last year in some of their press releases that fans were going to be back, uh, barring some crazy spike, um, that fans would be allowed back in the arena and they have decided to go through with that plan. They did release some stories, though, through press release this week, uh, outlining that if you would like to come into the stadium and watch the games for the first 12 games, uh, that includes the preseason and the regular season at the Paycom Center, you will have to have a vaccination card or you have to be fully vaxxed. So you guys will need to have some form of verification that you are vaccinated to get in, whether it's a photo. I think I saw that you guys can check through the Thunder app to verify it, or, you know, you can just show the attendant um, that you do have a vaccination card and you will be let in. If you do not have that, from what I understand from this article, you are not going to be able to attend. So they'll probably stop you at the door So if you guys are planning on going, just make sure that you do have a vaccination card um, if you are vaccinated. And then also with this, it's going to be not just the Paycom Center, but also for the BOK Center. So if there's any Thunder fans in the Tulsa area and you want to watch them on October 14th, you will need to show form of identification when it comes to just being vaccinated. So Some people did kind of have something to say about that. Obviously, there's talk on both sides of the coin on that one, but those are the rules. It looks like they're going to reevaluate things after that 12th game, and that is going to take place on November 26th. So they might recheck 
and then reevaluate their options again. I know last year there were sections that were dedicated to everyone being vaccinated, just like fully vax sections. And then there were ones where I think anyone could sit there. But yeah, you have to be fully vaxxed for the start of this season. But outside of that little tidbit, you know, everything is going as per usual with the team and the season's kind of just creeping up on us. We are a week away, actually inside a week from media day. Media day is going to take place next Monday on September 27th. And then training camp begins the very next day on Tuesday, the 28th. So that's going to be huge. I'm not going to be in attendance for media day. I know there's a lot of very fun characters. I know last year people were talking about how uh, it was kind of hard to get some questions out because everyone was kind of just so low profile with things. You didn't have like any major characters given those like one-liners reporters would be dying for. Um, But there seems to be a lot of young guys that have a good sense of humor. I don't know if you guys check TikTok too much. Josh Giddy. He has made a name for himself outside of the basketball realm. Like, I I remember after draft day, he might have had like 18K followers on the app. I think he's over 100K. He might even be approaching 200K now, but he's always posting content, whether it's related to 2K, basketball, just anything. Josh Giddy probably has posted on it. That's where he's been probably the majority of the offseason. So there'll be questions about that. I'm sure there's going to be some other fun questions. I'll be able to get that to you guys. If I could ask some questions, man, I would be lined up. I'd be living for it, but there's going to be some very good reporters out there. So I'm sure a lot of what I'm thinking, they're also going to be thinking when they get to talk to the newcomers, but you do get that training camp. That's going to last you about a week before you start looking towards preseason play. And that first game starts on October 4th, against the Charlotte Hornets. So this is crazy, guys. I mean, it really didn't seem all too long ago, you know, whenever we were talking about Josh Hall dropping 25 points and everybody just collectively uh, facepalming a little bit because of the ramifications that we found out at a later date, of course. But yeah, I mean, there was that moment that felt like a month ago. But look at where we are now. We got through the draft. Free agency, for the most part, is done for. And you're looking at a pretty much full-form OKC Thunder roster. They have all 15 of their guys set up for regular season play on full contracts, and then they filled out their two two two-way guys, which I would assume, since they've already made an adjustment, moving Hall out, getting Paul Watson Jr. in, I don't think they're going to mess around with that anymore. So the current rotation has SGA, Teo, Ty Jerome and Vit Kredge at the point guard spot. At the shooting guard spot, you're looking at Lou Dort, Trey Mann, Kenrich Williams, Aaron Wiggins, and Paul Watson Jr. At the small forward spot, you have Josh Giddy, Gabrielle Deck, and Isaiah Roby. At power forward, you have Alexei Pokashevsky, Darius Baisley, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And then at center, you have Derek Favors and Mike Muscala. So that gets you to that lucky number of 17. That's as high as they can go in terms of roster limit. However, when it comes to training camp, you can actually extend your spots up to 20. So there's technically three available roster spots. And I forgot how it works for preseason play. I think the Thunder carried 18 guys into that because I think Yurt 7 was on the training camp roster for the Thunder, but he was not suited up 
for the preseason games. So there's still going to be some guys that will get some opportunities, and it's kind of hard to predict where they're going to come from. I think the first one that you could try to mock up is Charlie Brown Jr. He signed that two-year contract with the Thunder at the end of last season. He got those two games in, or actually just one game, making a pretty hefty sum of money. And then this season, he's non-guaranteed. Gabrielle Deck has reported, so I think Charlie Brown Jr. can be kind of scrapped up as an odd man out at this point. However, if he's going to be returning to the G League, he's going to be doing so in an OKC blue jersey. So the rights are uh, going in the Thunder's direction. So if he wants to go overseas, yes, he does dodge the OKC blue, but I don't know if he wants to do that. I mean, maybe because he was kind of playing in the G League for a little bit. That's where he earned his contract, though, uh, prior because he was playing with the Iowa Wolves. However, you never know. I mean, a lot of people could try to go alternative routes here. I think if he's sticking around, though, he probably would be kind of in that training camp position, though. So that could get you up to 18. Now, I'm not positive on him. Rob Edwards is a guy who I am fairly certain will be back. I'm not going to report it. I've almost reported it on Twitter before because there is a lot of evidence, but I never got clarification on what the scenario is with him. I think he's going to be back, though. If you look at his Instagram, he has OKC Thunder in the bio. He's been in OKC literally this week. I think it was two days ago. Uh, as of the time I'm recording this, but he has been in Bricktown. We saw uh, lots of players who were in the Vegas uh, lineups. They were doing Instagram stories themselves in uh, Oklahoma City a couple days prior, and I think with just all we know about Rob Edwards, he probably is going to be signing like an Exhibit 10 deal again. For him, it's one of those things where I love Rob Edwards. I want to see him succeed. There are a lot of guys, not just on the Thunder side, but also on the Blues side, that are going to be kind of fighting for some of those minutes at the point guard and shooting guard spot. So if he ultimately is not on the Thunder training camp roster and he goes somewhere else, I would understand it because in terms of getting that opportunity and maybe getting a better shot at an upgraded contract, you could go somewhere else where there's more of a depleted um, backcourt, but... Yeah, I mean, if he wants to stick around, I would love to see him in training camp. This is a guy who has performed at every level to this point. He was a monster in his rookie year at the G League level. He was great in Vegas. People wanted him on a two-way contract. That has not happened. I think if you place him in a couple preseason games, he's going to reminisce a lot of Frank Jackson, probably, where... (laughs) Frank Jackson went off, he was making all his catch-and-shoot shots, and everyone wanted him on a legit deal, ultimately did not make the cut, though. I think Rob Edwards would have an offer from the Thunder for a training camp deal, probably has an offer from everyone, because who does not want to see more of this guy? But he could be back, and that could get you up to 19. Outside of those two guys, I really don't have anybody that I would say, I think I have a trace on. We don't know what's going on with Jalen Horde. That's the only blue person that I would even think about. You know, other guys that I would have considered have signed overseas or have gone to another summer league lineup. So I'm just really not sure. We'll see if there's maybe like a sneaky pickup that we'll find in the next day or so. Maybe 
Emmett Williams, because I don't think he's signed anywhere, but he was on the Vegas roster. Jalen LeCue was there. He wasn't really a starter, though. Uh, but we'll just see how kind of all unravels with those guys. I'm going to be pumped up to watch them play to start out in October. And I really love preseason and summer league because it's a lot of people just getting experience and getting reps that maybe otherwise they would not have gotten once the regular season teed off. So there's always going to be some great stories coming out of there. And with OKC looking to rebuild, there's going to be some surprises pretty much guaranteed. So just be prepared for that. If you guys are interested in when they actually tee off for regular season play, that begins on October 20th against the Utah Jazz. And then one of the games that I actually highlighted in a previous episode on October 22nd is going to pin the Thunder up against the Rockets in Houston. So if you guys are in Texas, you might want to mark that one on your calendar. But that's just kind of the current news with the team. There's going to be more that surfaces But yeah, that sort of does it for right now. But before moving on to if the Thunder should pursue John Wall, I want to let you guys know a little bit about DraftKings Sportsbook and the current deal that they have going on. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you do not want to miss out on this. Here is what you guys have to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or if in Indiana, you can call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But guys, moving on into the John Wall news, there is a lot to cover with this one. This has been a story that hasn't really came out of nowhere. I think we knew like a little bit after the Russell Westbrook trade went down, John Wall just didn't really fit with the Houston Rockets whenever James Harden was gone. And they have pieces like Kevin Porter Jr. at the time when they made this deal, but I don't think the timelines are really working together. So The Rockets and John Wall, they've kind of been on separate pathways for a while now, but they've kind of gotten to an agreement to where John Wall's not going to be suiting up for the Rockets next season. I don't think he's going to be reporting to training camp. He might be, but in terms of regular season play, he's not going to be affiliated. So this could be a Trevor Ariza situation where John Wall's in Miami until January or February, just whenever he can get moved. And the Rockets, they're going to want to move on from him because his contract is nasty. And simply put, 
he's not even going to be able to play for the Rockets based off his current history. And this is kind of numbers that don't really reflect him and the Rockets in general, but just John Wall as a player. He's 31 years old now, and he's just been injury riddled for like the last four five seasons since 2016 the 2016-17 season this is when Russell Westbrook won the MVP he has played from that point until now 109 games and in total the Wizards and the Rockets just collectively played a total of 303 games so he only played in 35.9 percent of available contests and it's due to a long long lasting kind of history of injuries in 2019 till 2020 he just didn't play at all he had uh, I think it was an Achilles injury that took him out but yeah I mean he's just kind of been in this rehab phase you don't see him for like a year and a half 18 months he's not taken action played a little bit for the Rockets I think it was like a game of four um like in April but then he got shut down for May so he just really never cemented himself on the roster. However, I mean, he wasn't terrible last season for the Rockets. He did get some run. He played 40 total games. And in those games, he was actually kind of impressive. 20.6 points, 3.2 rebounds, and 6.9 assists came from that year. And he shot 31.7% from three, taking a little over six tries per game so people thought when John Wall was playing with the Rockets this past season he wouldn't have looked like anything he actually logged some pretty solid numbers however just like I said he's just not gonna work long term with this franchise they already kind of have their guard rotation set now they got Jalen Green second overall in the draft so he's gonna be one of their cornerstones Kevin Porter Jr. looks to be one of the cornerstones and there's just not room for that third guard like a John Wall per se. And maybe if his contract was a little bit more team friendly, he would be on the team and they try to work with him. But that's just not the case at all. He has one of, if not the worst contracts in the NBA. Only has two years left on his contract, but he is making massive money. He signed a four-year max when he was with Washington. Then he got moved over. And now he's just kind of stuck here. So he's making $44.3 million next season for the Rockets. And then in the 2022-23 season, he's going to be making $47.3 million. And on that, there is a player option attached. Look, John Wall's not an idiot. He is going to take that money. He's going to make a grand total of $91.6 million over the next two seasons. And He's not even wanted by the team right now. So they're looking to move on from him. Who's going to be able to take a contract of that size? Really, nobody. And just like John Wall, I, I guess actually Kemba Walker would be the better comparison here. Like Kemba, when the Thunder had Kemba, his contract was not amazing. They were trying to make a deal, get rid of him, get some sort of asset back, or at the bare minimum, not give up picks. And it just never came into the equation. That is what John Wall's situation looks like times 10. It's going to be very hard to let go of him, especially when he has had a long-lasting injury history to where if you ship him off to a contending team, like let's say the 76ers, Ben Simmons goes to the Rockets and then John Wall and some other stuff goes to the 76ers. 
I'm not so sure the 76ers would want to make that deal, and maybe I'm wrong here because the 76ers need someone kind of like John Wall who can at least score at all three levels somewhat consistently. I'm not saying John Wall's a sharpshooter or anything, but compared to Ben Simmons, he is like Steph Curry right now. So it would be an improvement in that area. If they're looking to make a one-year title push, it'd make more sense in terms of kind of bringing that team together as a collective, but he could go down with an injury and then you're done for. Ben Simmons, you know, he just kind of got off that rookie scale deal. Like he is relatively young in NBA standards. And I know, you know, they're in this phase where I don't think either side is really in agreement with each other. I think there's going to be a deal eventually. Same kind of goes with John Wall, but you know, you're going from a Ben Simmons who's like, what, 24, maybe 25 years old to a 31-year-old John Wall who, after a year or two, we don't know what John Wall is going to look like. And we really didn't know what John Wall was going to look like last season because of the injuries. So what is one more injury going to do to a guy like that who, for the most part, has kind of lived off of his playmaking ability and his speed with the basketball. If the athleticism goes, you could see a major knock with a guy like John Wall because there's just not a lot of point guards who are uber athletic and can just like immediately adapt to not having kind of that spring in their step. But anyways, let's get out of that Ben Simmons realm. Let's just look wide range at the NBA. I don't really see any teams that have the salary necessary to take on a guy like John Wall except for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And right now their payroll is sitting a little bit over $100 million. It's $100.9 million. That's what I kind of totaled up there. But when you take away the deals that um, are kind of non-existent, like the Kemba buyout, for example, Kyle Singler is making like a million dollars this year. It's a little closer to like $62 million. And John Wall, if he joins, he's making 44 mil. So he's almost making as much as the entire roster at that point. And and I think, you know, you can take out guys like Derek Favors, maybe Gabrielle Deck. I don't think he's as good of an example, but you could get that margin down to 44 mil quite easily, actually, because like everyone is on their rookie scale contracts right now. They're making two, three, maybe like five million at that upper crust of salaries. So they're just not really getting any sort of money in comparison to John Wall. If John Wall joins, yeah, I mean, you're going to be writing a fat checkout for the next two seasons. And if you're going to take a guy on like John Wall, this is to be expected. You're going to have to move some assets. This is from Houston's point of view. If you're trading John Wall, it's not just John Wall. It's John Wall plus X amount of first round picks plus young asset, whatever it is. You can't get a straight up deal because that just does not exist in this current, you know, phase of the NBA. So if you want to look at Houston's assets, players, that's the easiest thing to look at right now. You know what you're getting. You can kind of see their trajectory with some of these guys. And they have a decent bunch of players. They did an excellent job drafting this year. They kind of had had history of drafting well. And then the Kevin Porter Jr. trade was just highway robbery in retrospect. I know at the time there were some issues with Kevin Porter Jr. like off the court. You know, there were like locker room incidents, I think maybe legally as well. But they took him on and he balled out in the G League. He balled out with the Rockets and... Depending on who you ask, people actually think that Kevin Porter Jr. is better than Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and that is laughable, to say the least, 
but people actually think that. So I don't know if that means they're crazy or, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. deserves a little bit more respect, but he's a legit basketball player and he's pretty young too. So just running down the list, like Jalen Green is probably their best asset. Kevin Porter Jr. is there. Christian Woods there on a team-friendly contract. Kenyon Martin Jr. There's Alperin Sengun, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba rounding up the firsts, and then Jay Sean Tate. That's a list of, I think, nine guys. I don't know if the Rockets would want to move on from them, though. And maybe, maybe they'd say, like, you know, we don't care about Garuba or something because you have Sangoon, you have Christian Wood. But even at that, I don't think you'd want to be moving on from any of your rookies, at least right now, because they're in the same situation as the Oklahoma City Thunder. They might be a step above in terms of actual, like, young, young talent right now. However, they don't have that coveted star. They're hoping Jalen Green can be that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of what you're going to see standings wise, I think the Rockets and the Thunder are kind of going to be battling at the bottom of the bracket there. So they're not looking to offload any young talent unless they have to. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they'd rather just straight up buy out John Wall as opposed to shipping off like two of these guys that I just listed. So the way that they'd have to do this involves draft picks because young guys they are simply not up for sale and with their picks they have a decent collection they got a lot from the James Harden trade there were some I think from the PJ Tucker deal if I'm not mistaken so they have a good batch of picks but a lot of them are protected and a lot of them are already going in Oklahoma City's way if they convey on the Thunder side of things. So next season, they're going to have an unprotected first round pick. And they're also going to have either an unprotected first from the Nets. They can actually swap it though to Miami's pick if it's not in the lottery. So they have two picks they can mess around with there. Obviously, their unprotected first is like gold. And they get another unprotected first in 2023. They got this two-year grace period where they don't have to worry about anyone snatching their picks up. They can tank wherever the ping pong balls go. They're going to be going Houston's direction whenever Mark Tatum takes that envelope out. But they have that again, and then they have another unprotected pick with the Milwaukee Bucks. And in 2024, they get another unprotected pick from a different franchise. This is when you start seeing the impact of the James Harden deal. They have Brooklyn's unprotected first, and then they have their own pick, but it's protected one through four. If it's not there, it's going in the Thunder's way. This is kind of that second part to the Jalen Green nightmare that we saw back in June because you know the Rockets they had like a 50-50 shot of keeping their pick they got the pick they got all the way to the final spot and then you know obviously the Pistons got Kate Cunningham but Jalen Green I think in any other draft is going to be a number one guy I don't think it's going to be a close uh or it's actually going to be a really tight race when it comes to rookie of the year but yeah, they got Jalen Green. This is another deal where if they're really bad, it's going to be kind of that coin flip where OKC's on one end, Houston's on the other end, and that is that. 
and in 2025, exact same deal here. And this one is going to be in Houston's favor because they're just going to know probably going into lottery night if they're keeping the pick. It's protected 1 through 10, so you don't see a lot of the times people outside from that like 11 to 14 range hopscotch in the top four. They kind of modified it, so it's technically possible, but I think you could kind of sleep tight uh, before lottery night. It's not going to be as crazy as the year before. And then in 2026, they have another season where they're going to have to sleep and they're going to be scared. They're not going to be able to get to sleep because it's 1 through 4 protected again. If it's 5 through 30, it's going to the Thunder. And then they have an unprotected Brooklyn Nets pick. So just breaking it down because there's a lot to digest here. There are some really good picks and then there are some really bad picks that I see here. And first round picks are first round picks. Like last season, I wanted the Thunder to get in any sort of action for that late first round. I thought they could have, you know, swung on a guy like JT Thor. They could have got Isaiah Todd. I had him ranked in my teens. I think he went 31. But yeah, there was a lot of talent. And I think there's just going to be a lot of talent coming in as the game continues to kind of build, not just, you know, in the American market, but just everywhere. I mean, there are a lot of studs getting drafted in the second round, mid to late first. I would love to have those picks, but obviously you want to be as close to the number one spot as possible. And the 2022 and 2023 unprotected first from Houston are going to give the best shot at that. Those are off the table. The Thunder are not going to be able to trade for those things. That's kind of it. I think behind that, there's going to be a large gap, but in 2024, you get back to the un, or the one through four protected picks. I feel like by that point, the Rockets might have actually sorted things out to where they're going into the lottery as if they're even in the lottery. They're going to be one of the guys that are like 10 through 14. So I don't think this one's that crazy, but it still should be up there because there is a lot of potential right there for the Thunder. But also, you know, taking those protections off would be huge in some sort of trade. Beyond that, you get to the 2025 pick and the 2026 pick where Houston has it 1 through 10 protected and then 1 through 4 protected in 2026. I think in 2025, like I said, they're probably going to have things sorted out. I mean, they have two unprotected picks that they're not going to be trading away. They should have a solid foundation here. And then in 2026, I think it's the exact same thing. They're not going to be in play for one of those top four picks. So you might as well chalk it up as the Thunders selection. Uh, and then also 2026 from Brooklyn's side of things could be pretty intriguing because it is far away. Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden, they're kind of approaching their 30s already. So how are they going to look in five years it's kind of hard to predict that. That's why you kind of group it together here. But after you get beyond the third tier, it's kind of just the scraps where I think they would be tossed in and not just a trade for John Wall, but anything. Um, because I think they're truthfully going to be in the back end of the first round. Next season, the Nets, they're going up an unprotected first. Lottery protected Miami pick for next season. The Bucks 2023 unprotected, which would have been cool except Giannis did sign that Supermax contract. The 2024 Brooklyn Nets pick is also unprotected, but I think unlike 2026, they still should be together for the most part. And then in 2025, that Brooklyn Nets swap 
kind of the same gist there. And then there's the 2023 one, which I think we all know is never going to be used because Houston is going to be way worse than the Brooklyn Nets um, by that point. But yeah, you look at things here. Like I said, you're not going to be able to trade for a 2022 or 2023 unprotected Houston pick. I think protections on Houston's side, they would not want to give up. But also, on the other end, I mean, would it even matter? Like, if the Houston Rockets strut out in 2024, they get the first, second, third, or fourth pick, I'm going to be astonished, uh, not just because the odds of it hitting, but also that they're even there, because I think Jalen Green's going to be an absolute beast, not just, you know, in a couple years down the line. I think he's an immediate contributor. He can score at all three levels. KPJ has something there. You know, they might have a slippery slope to begin with, but they're going to be good to go by 2024, I believe. And that's not even talking about some of the other people that they've acquired lately. So I think the only picks that really would matter would be these like unprotected picks from Brooklyn, some of the Milwaukee ones. And I don't know if the Thunder would want to take that to take on $44 million. And then again, like 47 mil in the next season. So I don't really know if it works salary wise, number one, obviously it really doesn't, but also value wise. I mean, the Thunder have so many first round picks. They got a first from Utah for bringing on Derek Favors. He's on a two-year $20 million contract, and I still don't know the specifications of that trade. It was kind of awkward, slipped in at like four or five in the morning uh, after draft night, but yeah, like if you can get one first-round pick off of that, you should be getting some pretty valuable goodies from uh, John Wall trade, so I don't think the Rockets want to do that. I think if they're going to take a route, uh, the smartest route, they might actually just buy him out like the Thunder did with Kemba Walker. And that's going to be that maybe try to get some money back. And then John Wall can kind of explore elsewhere. But under a hypothetical where a deal is made, I think the Brooklyn Nets ones are on the table, the Bucks ones are. And if John Wall comes to OKC, it's the exact same scenario as what's going on in Houston. You really can't play him. I think Kemba Walker would have been much better to have on this current team than John Wall would be, and Kemba was on a cheaper deal. Well, I mean, it's still massive, but, you know, cheaper, and then you might be able to trade him. John Wall is just straight up not tradable. So if Presti couldn't trade Kemba, he's definitely not trading John Wall. That would be a buyout situation, and if you were to keep him, it'd be disastrous. You already have 10 guards on the rotation. He wouldn't be able to get minutes. And if he did get minutes, that'd kind of just stunt everyone's growth. You're talking guys like Teo, Ty, and then in the shooting guard spots, maybe like Trey Mann or something. Yeah, John Wall would be at the bottom of the barrel for your roster. And he'd kind of just have to sit there and wait. And his number would never really be called. So I don't think the Thunder would jump in here. I think if they would jump in, they would want the protections removed. I don't think Houston would like to do that. Um, but also, it's one of those things where since they have that two-year safety blanket, I don't know if those really mean as much as they did last season. But, you know, we didn't think that would matter last season. And look at where it took us. They have Jalen Green on their roster now. So that's just kind of my take on that deal if there were to be one if you guys have any different outlook on it make sure to let me know on my twitter or you guys can go to the pods twitter at thunderstick pod 
But guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I should have some extra content heading your way surrounding some of the rookies. That's kind of what I want to do here. If you guys have any suggestions, just like with the John Wall uh, deal, you guys can just let me know. But I'm planning on doing something like that in the next couple of days as we're getting ready for media day and training camp, eventually even preseason play. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.